Hello, Blackhawks fans, and welcome back to another edition of the Four Feathers Podcast. This is Season 5, Episode 5, The Bedard Era Begins. I am Ron Luce. I am joined by the one, the only, the man himself, Mr. Tony Marchese. Tony, my friend, the weekend starts on Thursday. It is Thursday. How are you, sir? Well, it's getting close to Friday here, Ron, as we're recording. It's actually Friday on the East Coast already, if you're joining us out there. Uh, I don't know why you would. This is a Blackhawk show, but maybe you're a transplant. Ron, it's it's great to be here uh, kicking things off at 11.03 on a Thursday night. Uh, is the weekend started for you, Ron? That's my first question. The weekend has started for me, Tony. We'll do a little hashtag crack them to get this thing started. And, Tony, we have meaningful Blackhawks hockey to finally recap our first show that we are finally here talking about some actual games that have happened in the regular season. Our boy, I Skokes in the comments uh, and just like Skokes here, if you want to join us in the comment section, be sure to head over to the YouTube channel, hit subscribe, hit the like button, hit the little bell. You'll always know when four feathers is live. This is never too late to talk. Bedsy, I agree. And as Kirk says, hashtag crack them because the weekend starts on Thursday. Tony, what do you say, buddy? Let's dive into this thing. Two games have been played so far, and let's start with the win on Tuesday night. 4-2 victory over the Pittsburgh Penguins in their own barn. Tony, how good did it feel for the Hawks to start 1-0 on the year? Ron, it felt great before I get into it. I mean, I, I, I want to say something real quick. I think Kirk is a uh, an East Coast guy, so it is Friday for him over there. Thanks for hopping in here with us, Kirk. Um Man, what a what a win for the Blackhawks in front of what was a very large audience. We'll we'll get to that in a little bit. But I know we sat here on what was it Monday talking about season predictions and and you know just how this first set of games was going to go. I want to say that uh, I I would guess that you and Johnny thought that that was going to be a loss uh, just based on what your records were. I think a lot of people at Vegas for sure thought that uh, the Hawks were not going to get that done over there. And I thought it was a complete team victory. Um, you saw great goaltending from Peter Mrazek. I'm eating a lot of words that I said about uh, him playing goaltender for the Chicago Blackhawks at this moment. He's, he's the only undefeated goalie on the team. Uh, and then, you know, just the fact that uh, Bedard got himself on the score sheet uh, in his first game ever. Uh, all good things, man. All good things. So a lot to uh, really like from that. Uh, we'll mm-hmm. dive in more, but uh, how are you feeling about it? Uh, Tony, just as excited, I think, as you were. Actually, again, I won't speak for Johnny because I don't know what Johnny was thinking, but Pittsburgh was actually one of the games I thought the Hawks could win. I think I have my three losses pegged, um, had them pegged with the Boston game, which we'll get to here in a few minutes, uh, and then the Toronto game to start next week and that Avs game before the home opener were the three that I looked at and went, ooh, that might not be great. But I thought this Hawks team could match up well against the Penguins because of some of the offseason additions they made. Nonetheless, you still love to see a win. I think the beauty, Tony, and let's let's get into it because this was the probably one of the biggest highlights of said game was Connor Bedard's first career point, a secondary assist. A lot of people probably think that was underwhelming, but a really nice play. And, and Tony, I think why that point was so important in just the 16 minutes that it occurred, that was the first goal that gave the Blackhawks four unanswered at that point. They were down two nothing. They needed to get some momentum. Bedard coming up the wall toward the blue line. Sees an oncoming Alex Vlasic. Just dumps it off to him. A little nifty play, uh, as you wrote up over at ontapsportsnet.com. Vlasic puts it on net. And and my boy, Mr. Ryan Donato, shoving the defenseman out of the way, creating space for himself in front of the net, and ultimately tucking it home with the backhand. So, it just I, I think at the time that it happened, it was perfect. And, and Tone, again, just that was such a just – the way I think black the Blackhawks are going to win games this year. It wasn't pretty, but it was gritty. It was they wore teams down. And it's something I, I talked about with uh, our friend here at Ontem Sportsnet, uh, Mr. Sean Sierra over at Sports Zone Chicago. Uh, just this team is going to grind away at people. That's exactly what they did uh, with that win, and, and, and ultimately Bedard's point got that started. Uh, Tone, I've already blushed and and gushed about Mr. Donato, but 
there was something you really liked you and I were talking back and forth about in this game. And it so happened to be a line that I think a lot of people have maybe considered an afterthought coming into the season. Tony, you want to elaborate on that? Yeah. I don't know if we're calling this the third line, the fourth line, I'm calling it the third line. I saw some, some varying tweets that were out there from Blackhawks beat reporters, uh, you know, just before the game, uh, whether or not they were considered the the fourth line or the third line, but that is, I, I'm, I'm actually going to probably label this the vet line right now, Ron. You've got Corey Perry, like you've it. got Nick Foligno, and you've got Dickinson on this line, and they looked fantastic through, I would think, both games. We'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about uh, yesterday's game in a minute here, but they did everything that I thought they were going to do uh, when we talked about them on Monday, and that was agitate people. Uh, Corey Perry looked like he was going to uh, – run through a wall to get a goal there uh, when the Blackhawks were making their comeback on Tuesday night. I, I liked to see the fire. He, uh, you know, defended a couple of teammates at points in time that you want to see. Uh, and then, you know, Felino, man, it just looks like a leader out there, just an absolute veteran leader. And man, every time they were on the ice, I felt like outside of the Bedard line, they really jumped off, off the television screen to me um, as just, a line that was controlling the play. They were doing the right things. They were in the right spots as veterans should be. Uh, and so it, that was enjoyable hockey for me to watch. I don't know if you uh, noticed similar from them, Ron. I agree, Tony. It felt like every time that they stepped out on the ice, you felt their presence, right? I, I think especially in that first game, a lot of these youngsters were kind of getting acclimated to the NHL, right? This is such a young roster top to bottom. There's so many guys playing with new faces this year. I think everybody kind of eased into the game a little bit, even though Bedard obviously was all over the place and, and things of that nature. But from a full three-man unit as a forward line, I agree with you, Tone. I think every time they stepped on the ice, they made a difference. And to your point, right, they're in the right places. They're bringing the energy. I think because of that veteran nature of the line, that is going to be a line that they can look at throughout the course of the year when they need kind of that momentum shift and say, hey, go out there and just try and make shit happen. Whether it's a big hit, whether it's a big goal, you know, whether it's just a, a good, smart play in general, that's the line that I think a lot of people are going to peg. And I think Luke Richardson is going to peg throughout the season to get it done because you get a little bit of everything with that line, right? Like you said, Perry, big body, obviously still has a scoring touch. You know, he's, he's put up pretty respectable seasons in limited minutes over the last couple of years. Had a couple of really nice chances in that Pittsburgh game. Probably should have had maybe two goals even in that game, given his chances. Felino, same thing, knows where to go. He can be a little bit of a playmaker, has that gritty edge. And then it feels like Dickinson is the perfect guy to be the center of that line because what he brings, he can win draws. He has kind of that pk mentality and, and things like that and, and just as kirk says here scoring off the rebound is cool and tough and in dickinson's case wasn't a rebound but it went off of crosby's stick and right to him and he made a beautiful play so i agree with you tone I, I think that is going to be not only the vet line this year but perhaps the energy line in a lot of games for these young chicago blackhawks yeah they they really were out there uh you know sort of stealing some momentum I would say for the Chicago Blackhawks uh, on Tuesday night. And Ron, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't bring this up. There's been a longstanding tradition uh, here between you and I. Yes. And, uh, you know, I felt going into this third period, if you're a new listener uh, to Four Feathers podcast here, Ron and I started doing a little something last year to maybe try and swing the momentum. And that is uh, placing the live money line bet as the Blackhawks enter the third period, even if you're up down, if you're up, it's a great way to just secure the night going to the third period, you know, hoping for, uh, you know, just taking a little cash out of the night and the Blackhawks victory with your victory beers. Or if the Blackhawks are trailing, there's, there's probably some juice on this, right? You know, just a couple, you know, a couple numbers there with some zeros behind it. And uh, Ron, I took the first live Blackhawks third period money line bet, uh, and uh, we came up victorious on this. So I don't know if you joined in on this. I know you were out uh, doing some stuff over at uh, Zavs that night, but uh, were you also part of the live money line? 
for the Blackhawks on Tuesday. I want to know I if we had that good juju going. I was tragically not. I saw your text oh. when it was too late. I I I finally was able to get a chance to look at it, and the, the period had already started, and the Hawks had already, I think, scored the first goal. And I was just like, oh, son of a bitch. I knew this was going to happen. And you said, I think it was, what, plus 400 odds maybe? I yeah. mean, it was – it was a juicy one. And Tone, I'm going to correct you really quick on this. This this tradition that you and I have started dates back to that COVID-shortened season all oh the way boy. at the beginning of 2021 because I remember multiple times when you and I would be hitting that bet uh, late in some of those Blackhawks games when nobody's in the stadium. You got to got to create some juice for ourselves, the fans watching at home. But I think that's kind of where it all started. So, um, no, but good for you, sir. Uh, again, a big round of applause. That's That's a nice dub. Uh, to get the season kicked off. I, I wasn't able to partake on Wednesday night either, unfortunately, but on Saturday night, you better, you better believe we'll be on the train and, and, and we'll, we'll get back to our traditional ways. Tone, we talked on the solid work for Peter Morazic. I think that leads us perfectly into uh, Wednesday's game. And unfortunately a three, one loss at the hands of the Boston Bruins, um, I want to stay on the goalies really quick. I think Soderblom was really good. I know he took the loss, obviously, but at times in that game, it felt like just a free-for-all for the Bruins to shoot on the Blackhawks' net. He responded, I think, incredibly well. I think that is a good sign going into the rest of the season for a guy like Soderblom. Um, Tony, you're the goalie guy. Let's talk about that for first before we get to the real headline of this game. Yeah, absolutely, and and I'll, I'll throw in a little uh... – you know, betting talk here as we were just on that topic. Um, speaking of goaltenders and bets, I just want everybody to know before we recorded <laughs> on on Monday night, we were or actually we were on a meeting. It wasn't even we recording were, on Monday night. We, we were, were on an ONTAP Sportsnet official business meeting. Sure. And before we we'd gotten things kicked off underway, I was talking to uh, you know both of my four feathers co-hosts about some some betting lines, and I thought let's just toss the over under saves for Peter Morazic out there. And uh, I think it was set at 31 and a half. I believe he shattered that uh, pretty well and good by, by the midway through the third period, that thing was over the over had cashed. Uh, I backed off that bet because I was a little scared at what uh, you guys were saying. I, I thought it could go either way. You maybe have sort of got me to think about maybe taking the under or, or maybe Johnny did. Uh, I'm not sure, but, uh, when I looked at the same line for uh, Soderblom going into the second game, I was like, I'm not touching this with a 10-foot pole. Uh, I think it was somewhere near like 43, 44, uh, just because they expected Boston to come out there and batter him with shots, and they did. He, in my opinion, held it together and gave the Blackhawks a chance to win this game. Uh, we'll talk about the story here in a second, but I think you have to look at the offense when you're talking about how much, uh, well, the offense and the defense, when you're talking about how much Soderblom had to stand up to, and that's a very impressive Boston offense. So, you know, there's plenty of guys out there that can do some damage. Um, Pasternak, Marchand, uh, the, the, the names speak for themselves. I thought he, he held up well enough to give this Blackhawks team a chance to win. Obviously, one of these goals comes in empty net too. So um, I was impressed with this performance overall. Uh, you can't expect him to be perfect through every single one of these games, Ron. And this is exactly how I would have expected him to play. It's a little interesting. If you're not so, you know, well-versed in, in Blackhawks hockey over the past couple of years, uh, there's probably some people who are tuning in for the first time in a couple of years, saw Connor Bedard's debut, saw Peter Mrazek have this spectacular performance on Monday night, and we're probably a little underwhelmed with Arvid Soderblom, I, I want to caution any of those folks and say, let's let the full body of work uh, sort of speak for itself in a couple of months. But uh, I, it's hard not to be impressed with Mrazek and, and then really, you know, on a back-to-back here, look at Soderblom and say, uh, there's more to be desired. But in reality, he only let up two goals to a very, very strong Boston offense. So I was, I was pleased with what I saw. Yeah. And, and Tone, on the topic of goalies here really quick, uh, a little bit of numbers to call out. Some good old hashtag numbers for everybody here. Uh, relation to Peter Morazic against the Penguins, stopped 39 of 41 shots. 35 of 37 of those were even strength. Stopped all four bids 
against on the power play. I think that's incredibly noteworthy from a guy like Morazic. And then we go to Wednesday night, and despite the loss, 25 of 27 at even strength for Arvid Soderblom. Five of five against a pretty good Boston power play. 30 for 32 ultimately on the night. So again, like you said, despite the loss, Soderblom and Morazic both gave these, this team a chance to win. And as a goaltender, I think as the Blackhawks, that's all you can ask from your netminders this season. And both of them did, I think, spectacularly in that category for through the first two games. Obviously, it's just two out of 82, but a really good start to the season, I think, for those two guys. Don't you kind of mentioned it, right? Especially against Boston, there was less jump. You know, they they weren't. It's quite there. Obviously, a back-to-back to start the year is a really shitty way to start the year on the schedule. The uh, the NHL schedule makers really I great think, for us fans, out. though. Great for us fans oh, to get absolutely. a full dose of hockey right out absolutely. right out the gate. Yeah, two games right out the bat like that is beautiful. But uh, tone, I mean, the Blackhawks' offense was very limited, and now we can get to the the big storyline. I think that everybody's been shouting into their uh, whether they're listening to us on audio form or rewatching us here on the YouTube. Of why haven't you talked about it yet? Connor Bedard gets his first goal. Tone uh, only took only took a good to bury the lead. Game. Yeah, just <laughs> it was it was a, a beautiful play too. Right, sticking with it, tried the short side on the shot, collects the rebound behind the net, pots it on a wraparound on the other side. Just a, a beautiful display of skill. You saw the excitement on his face. Tone. I mean, it, it kind of feels good, I think, for Blackhawks fans, for him to just get that first one now. And now it's just a free-for-all from here. Yeah, absolutely, Ron. I mean, this is this is what everybody was tuned in to see. And I'm, I'm almost sad because, you know, the, the ratings on TV might go a little bit down over the next couple of games. They're not uh, waiting for Connor Bedard's first. But the, the fact of the matter is, when you watch this play develop, I mean, he's, he's a one-man show and can be at any point in time when he is on the ice. That was on full display there. I love the photos on, on Twitter because he gets his first point uh, in, in Pittsburgh, and then uh, he takes a photo after he's full smile, and then uh, he gets a, a photo with his first goal puck in Boston, and he looks like just, Stone just cold deadpan cold. straight. Yeah, it's, it's – bad man he's he's pissed off for lack of a better term he's very pissed off i'm sure he wanted that to come in a win uh and why wouldn't you uh you're you're playing in the national hockey league you want your first goal to be in a win because you want to talk about it for the rest of your life um i think you know overall that was a great momentum starter but then i think the big impact in this game is hall going down with an injury because that's your that's your line that, that Bedard has only known uh, in his very very short tenure in the National Hockey League, and now in you know midway through your your second game, you lose your most effective line mate on this on this team. Nothing against your guy Donato, but Paul uh, I mean, is his weapon here, uh, for lack of a better term. So. Yeah, it would have been nice for it to come in a win, but I will say that losing your your top line mate uh, on the first line sort of stalls out this offense. And we'll talk about what that means for this team going forward. We got a whole a little segment planned on that, but you know, Bedard can only do so much. I think losing somebody like Hall sort of limited him through the rest of the game as they're trying to figure it out on the fly. There's no time to practice and figure out some of these things. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about why we had less offensive output through the rest of this game. I really think that that's part of the reason why. Yeah. Incredibly well said. And, and just quickly tone before we focus a little more on that injury to number 71 uh, Bedard himself took a little bit of a, a scary spill into the end boards. I think kind of every Blackhawks fan held their breath for a good 30 seconds, but he got up, he shook it off. He looked fine. I, Those no were the longest time. 30 fucking seconds. <laughs> yeah. Those were the long. That was the longest commercial I think I've had in a long time. Because let's be really fucking honest with each other. It's it's after eleven o'clock. The, F, the FCC is going to not care about what we say on the uh, on the old podcast machine at this point. Could you fucking imagine for two seconds if Connor Bedard got hurt there? What state 
this city would be in right now with Chicago sports. My heart stopped. Mm-hmm. You got the Chicago Bears, just a complete shit show right now. Your your Cubbies missed out on the playoffs and had a collapse, and you've got uh, you know letters from your owner out to people saying that this isn't you know what they expect. My White Sox are at the bottom barrel of anything that is baseball right now. You see how many people are tuned in for Connor Bedard. Oh my God, if he got hurt on that. I think a lot of people would be going absolutely crazy right now. Could you imagine oh, yeah. that was, it was such a sigh of relief. The first thing I do when this happens, right. Cause I'm going on Twitter to, you know, g- you know, gasp and, and, and hope that everything's okay. And I just see Pat Comiskey's tweet. It's the first thing that happens when it hits the timeline. There's Pat Comiskey. And you know, when you, when you read Pat Comiskey's tweet in there, he's feeling the exact same fucking way that I am. And you are, and everybody else who's listening to the show is, please get up and please be okay. But the way they cut the commercial here, Ron, I take a little bit of exception to because they stayed with him while he was down and then he's sort of getting up and they go, and we're going to break. Yeah, they kind of left you in a little bit of suspense of yeah, like, well, is he okay? Like is he being helped off the ice? What the hell's going on? I agree. Damn your ads. Damn your ads right now. We need to know if our baby boy is okay. Yeah. You got your stupid fucking uh, ads on the boards bullshit that they do now on on national TV. Anyway, we, you can stay with it just to make sure that he's okay. Cause like you said, Tony, he really is kind of right now, the golden boy of Chicago sports. That just is what it is. He's, he's drawing the hype. He's drawing the excitement. um, And, and that could have been, that could have been up there with again, we, we talk about Connor Bedard in the same breath as a guy like Connor McDavid. He's the most exciting prospect since him to enter the NHL. Connor McDavid in his rookie season went into the end boards and broke his collarbone and missed a ton of time in his rookie campaign. So again, I agree with you, Tone. I think everybody just collectively held their breath, but he got up. He's okay. Unfortunately, tying it back to number 71 here really quick. Uh, Mr. Taylor Hall might not be okay. Um, in case people didn't know Hall, got injured, came back for a shift, just wasn't himself, ultimately was ruled out of the game. Uh, He is considered week-to-week by HCCLR. For those that aren't familiar, that is head coach Chad Luke Richardson. Um, It is a shoulder. It's the same one he actually had surgery on back in 2012. Um, So week-to-week is never great. Day-to-day is one thing. Week-to-week is a little bit nerve-wracking tone. I mean, it it really is right now just kind of one of those things where, like you said, I think you put it perfectly – Hall was kind of expected, especially early in the season, to be Bedard's wingman in a lot of ways in terms of the offensive scoring. He's he's your, he's his weapon. He's his countermate on that first power play on those on those circles. He's that guy that we all probably were sitting here under our breath. And I know we as a Four Feathers crew haven't given out season thoughts and predictions in terms of stats and shit like that necessarily, but probably all of us could have penciled Taylor Hall in to be the second leading goal scorer on this team out the gate. Right. So easily, easily to see, to see him go down is, is certainly concerning. And Tone, before we get into the idea of, of who in the meantime replaces Taylor Hall, do you think this injury is worse than week to week basis? I think when you're talking week to, I, I was just happy that we didn't get the, uh, day-to-day label, I guess, or like the we'll see, you know, like the sort of the half cook. When I hear week-to-week, and, and maybe I'm just conditioned a little bit because I'm coming off of White Sox coverage and I heard day-to-day, 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 and day-to-day meant week-to-week, then maybe I trust the Blackhawks organization a little more when they say, this will be week-to-week, and I can sit there and say in my head, all right, this might be a month at least right because there's going to need to be a little bit of rehab time and if he comes back sooner than that awesome but i'm prepared now to know that this could extend past a month in in reality and if we get past two months now we've got big problems so at least from a fan expectation point i'm not sitting here thinking he's going to be back next week by any stretch of the imagination you get what i'm saying Yes, absolutely. No, I 100% do. It, it, again, like you mentioned, it, it's refreshing hearing, okay, 
yes, it's a it's an injury that they're they're going to be very careful with. They're not going to rush him back. He's got to heal. And hearing week to week, like you said, right? Like I hear week to week, and I don't go, oh, he's back before the month of October is over. I hear week to week, and I hear November earliest. Yep, is what I'm thinking. And in tone, admittedly, I have the schedule up in front of me right now. Three games next week. Obviously, the home opener finishes that out. Still have the Montreal game this coming Saturday. Two the following week, that Arizona game on the 30th, right before the end of the month. I mean, realistically, Tony, we're probably looking at I, I'm I'm eyeballing the 16th of November right now. That's a home game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. To me, that's probably right when we see Taylor Hall, assuming week to week truly remains week to week, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I, w- I would say so. You know, it, it and it could be worse. Let's be honest with ourselves really for could. a second here. It could be worse. And that was the one guy outside of Connor Bedard, really, that you didn't want to see get injured because I think he has the most impact mm-hmm. on Connor Bedard out of anybody else that, you know, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, uh, you know, who might slot up if, if Donato isn't cutting it on the first line and blah, blah, blah. And here we are. And now you're missing hall. <laughs> so there's some problems here. There's some big problems here. Um, and if it extends past that week to week thing and does become month to month, it'll be interesting to see what the Blackhawks do with this. Um, you know, hopefully this doesn't turn into an LTIR situation. Uh, this is not good by any stretch of the imagination. Agreed. Not great. Bob is certainly the case here. Tone, let's dive into a little bit of our segment uh, that we have been kind of foreshadowing here. And that is who's with Bedard. Um, because of the Taylor Hall injury, somebody's got to step up and play that top line with Mr. Ryan Donato and number 98. Tony, I've got a list of three players. You've got a little bit of rebuttal slash agreeance with me. So I'm just going to read off the three names quickly. Let I've got a surprise me. one for you, too. Oh, yeah. I kept off the, yeah. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Uh, but my my three names initially right out the gate, I know there's been some whispers and rumors about it already, kind of within the, the Blackhawks' Zeth space. Um but that is Lucas Reichel potentially getting a look on that top line. Um, Ath- Andreas Athanasiu, I think because of his speed, playing with Bedard could be really fun to see. And he would probably play the right wing more so, I think, than the left wing. But I, I think he's pretty versatile and interchangeable in that sense. And then a guy that I think we really like here at Four Feathers, um, he is now the the silhouette of our just fucking crank it meme. Um, that is one Taylor Radish, I think, would look really nice getting, uh, again, being that big body can go into the corners, help a guy like Bedard. And, you know, I know Donato's kind of that guy too, but you get two kind of skilled but also gritty wingers with a guy like Bedard that really could open him up maybe in the middle of the ice to get more scoring chances. And, again, just I think make our lives as Blackhawks fans more fun because Connor Bedard's lighting the lamp on a regular basis. So those were the three names I had, Tone. Want to hear your thoughts on each of them. I know you've got some thoughts, and I'm excited for this surprise name, so hit me with it. Sounds good, Ron. We'll we'll go through uh, sort of the the rebuttals here first um, and sort of my agreements. Uh, The first player uh, is, uh, you know, that you brought up, Lucas Reichel. No Reichel for me, and here's why. I just want them to spread the love out just a little bit, you know, We've had Blackhawks lines in the past. You talk about like the nuclear option, and I think it's okay to put that together. Reichel needs to develop as a scorer for me, for him to sort of be, you know, reaching his ceiling as a as a Blackhawks prospect. I, I want him to be on his own line and not overshadowed by Connor Bedard in a sense. Okay. Like they they separated Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves back in the day. Um to sort of get them established in their own rights. Uh, this is still a very important season for me, it, just watching the development of Lucas Reichel, uh, because, I mean, last year you you had your cups of coffee, but, I mean, he's got to establish himself as an NHL forward here. And I want him on his own line focused on, you know, leading his line, so to speak. So uh, no Reichel for me. I understand why they do it. I just don't want to see that be permanent. Uh, you brought up uh, Radish. I agree with with Radish on that line, and I also and this is this is my realistic pick. 
uh, would be Mr. AA. I know we didn't, neither of us typed him out in here, but uh, Andreas Athanasiu should probably be the guy that comes up there. One problem with that, just for the viewing experience, it's really hard to tell 89 and 98 apart on the ice. So visually, that's going to be a little bit of a, you know, sort of a mind fuck for people when you're trying to watch this. Um, and then this is not the surprise name yet, Ron, but one that I wanted to throw out there. And just because he's on the power play with Bedard as well, and that's Corey Perry. My only problem with this is I don't want them to break up that vet line, that third line uh, that is so effective. But I can see if you need somebody up there, maybe it's Corey Perry. But I got something cooking, Ron, in, in the kitchen. And it is very, very spicy. Do you like spicy Ooh, food, Ron? I love spicy food. Do you like meatballs? Do you like <laughs> a good do. spicy I, meatball? I do enjoy good spicy meatball. I'm going to bring you a nice spicy meatball. You know who should be on the first line with Connor Bedard? Who should take this spot? Who, Tone? Patrick Kane should take this spot. <laughs> that is a spicy meatball. I told you I was cooking up a spicy meatball for you. If this injury to Hall is serious... The Blackhawks are in desperate need of a veteran to come up here and take a top-line spot. And I think that there's one name out there that's available that could potentially do it. I don't know if he's ready right now, and I'm not saying this is by any means going to happen, but could you imagine if it does? And I just want you to know it got cooked up in this kitchen first. It's never going to happen. Don't dream with me. It's probably the most meatball take you're ever going to hear on these airwaves, but he should be on that first line. And you you can't disagree with it, Tone. I will I will tell you right now. If if the report comes across my cellular device that eighty eight is back in a Blackhawks uniform, I might think the world's coming to an end because I just yeah, won't believe it. I just won't I believe it. Either. I just truthfully won't believe it. It, it is it, like you said. It's fun to dream, but. Um, it, 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 I'm at a loss for words because again, I, I, if it actually did happen, Tony, I wouldn't act rational for a good 72 hours. I just wouldn't, I, I simply wouldn't like there would be, you know, a 72 hour bender taking place knowing that 88 and 98 are skating on the same line. Like it, it, it just, what is what it is. Uh, Skokes here in the comments would actually quite, quite the, the, the offer and suggestion here. He says, fill the thrill. And for anybody oh, that boy. may not know who Phil the thrill is, that would be Phil Kessel, who is still a free agent. Um, just won the cup a year ago with the Vegas Golden Knights. Played. What's a, you're the GM here, Ryan. What does the cap space look like? Do we have room to make a move? Oh, the, the Hawks have the most cap space in the NHL entering this. Exactly. So why not? That isn't, why not, that why not isn't, bring in both Phil the thrill? And Patrick Kane and, and stack him on that first line, Ron. That's we a real, now we're talking. It's, it's almost midnight. Meatball. That's a real spicy meatball right there. I, I will Let's say go. the Blackhawks. So for those that are curious, excluding LTIR space, for those that are familiar with how the, the, the salary cap works in the NHL, entering the season, the Blackhawks had the most raw, true cap space of any team in the NHL. So um, take that for what you want. I think it's like $11 million. Uh, it's quite a bit of money. And that's even with them. Hashtag crack them. Um, you know, I'll say overpaying just because they wouldn't have gotten that from anywhere else, but we're okay with it because I think we're going to become fans of them, but overpaying guys like Nick Foligno and Corey Perry helps get you up to that number at, at that point. So Tony, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting who fills out that line. I have one really quick question for you, Tony. That's a little off topic, not sure. super off topic, but a little off topic. Right now, obviously, we've seen through two games, Lucas Reichel is your number two center. Do you think that Lucas Reichel is still playing center by the halfway point of the NHL season? Or do you think, like they did last season with him, when him, Athanasiu, and Kurashev had a lot of success on that line, move him back to the wing and let a guy like Philip Kurashev, once he's healthy, ultimately take over the center duties? I think that's interesting, um, you know, in terms of the question here, because you want Reichel to know how to take a face off, regardless if, if he's going to be in the center role, um, 
long term or not, he's still probably going to take his fair share. I, I think more or less, Reichel's going to be more effective as a winger. That's just my prediction. Um, I don't know if you make that move this year or if you you don't want to take you don't want to take the center playing ability out of the equation too early for a guy that has the potential to do so. It's like moving a starting pitcher to the bullpen and saying, you know, you're, you're sort of relegated here. In my opinion, it's a, it's a bad metaphor, but it, it, in sports, I sort of think of, of that as being, all right, you're not going to be effective as a center. You mean like what the white Sox did to Gary Crochet? Correct. Okay. You know, it, it's the same. Just stop monkeying around with shit. Um, that was a dig, and yes, it, it, you're exactly hitting home with, with something like the Garrett Crochet thing. It, it, it wasn't fully a dig. It was only partially a dig, but yes. It's easy to dig at the Chicago White Sox, but, but yes, it's also, no, that, but that's, it's a, also, that's a great way to look at it, right? right? Like you, you draft that's this kid. Example. Yes. It's a fair example. You draft this kid. You want him to develop, and, and up until this point, Ron, let's, let's be frank, they have been very patient in their development of Lucas Reichel. This isn't just been snap judgment. He's he's paid his dues. This is and, and again the same reason why I said don't move him up on the on the Bedard line because you need him to lead his line. I, I I sort of want him to have that responsibility and prove why he can't be a center because that affects what you're gonna go look for as this team, you know, comes out of this and starts to aim to compete. Do you have a number two center? Do you have uh, a, a second line wing. What do you have in him? So I think he's one of the more important pieces of development this year at the NHL level uh, mm. outside of Connor Bedard. He's probably number two. I'd say Korchinski is probably the number third guy you're looking at, and he might not even be here all year. Uh, I wouldn't move him off, but if they do, I, I think that there's a lot to dissect from that and what it means for the future. Incredibly well put. I, I wanted to hear your thoughts and 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 you you satisfied the uh, the answer that I was looking for. So appreciate your analysis. What, sir. what, what do you have to say about this? Because you look like no, you were... I I agree. No, I I really I like where your head's at. I, I think that's the right way to look at it because, like you said, I think this the Blackhawks front office, to your point, has been incredibly patient with prospects. Nobody's being rushed, which thank God because we saw that countless times with the old regime and guys being rushed to the NHL and I mean just look at the list Henry Yokiharu rushed yeah just let's go through the full list yeah you want to <laughs> we we got time it's it's almost Friday fuck it why not right <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean you got Ian Mitchell who got rushed you got Henry Yokiharu who got rushed and Yokiharu has been good in Buffalo so I'm not saying like it was a total waste but Adam Bokovic is a healthy scratch now in Columbus that's the name I wanted to hear and and Kirby Doc is not even here anymore and arguably was derailed in his development because he was rushed to the NHL. So I, I applaud GMKD and, and this current front office for how they've handled the prospects. I, I'm right there with you. I, I, I agree with you. I, I think it is truly a to me, this season is finding out if Lucas Reichel is a center long term. Like that's what this year is to me, because if he is your center long term then you're starting to look at some of these guys that are coming along the pipes here in Oliver Moore, in Frank Nazar, as more probably wingers than centers, unless one of them is going to be a third-line center, which if that's the case, that's the stupidest top nine that I've ever seen in my entire life. And, and Ron, I want, to, I want to stop you there for just a second and add this in. What you just brought up, that affects the development that they're going to see in college. That affects yes. the development they're going to see in juniors or – in the yep. AHL, wherever they're at, you start to build down. So there's conversations that the Hawks front office has with the, these other coaches. And, you know, here's what we need from, from you and development plans and all that other shit. So it's, I think it, it, you don't really think about it on surface level when you're watching the Hawks trying to go out and get a win and, uh, you know, just do their thing on any given night. But you're correct. That does affect downstream what they're trying to build. 100%. It affects especially the two names that I listed, in my opinion. Moore and Nazar are probably the two guys that this this organization is going to figure out who their top center is behind Connor Bedard. 
Is it going to be Lucas Reichel? Is he better suited at a wing ultimately in the long term? Is Oliver Moore going to be that number two center? Is Oliver Moore maybe better off as an elite third center, but is probably a number two on just about every other team in the league? To your point, it it one domino really starts to fuck up a lot of the other dominoes in the equation here. And I think that's why uh, I'm in agreement with you. They have to at least give this season to Lucas Reichel to play center. And if they ultimately say, you know what, kid, you're going to be a great pro and we're not worried about that. We just think you're going to be better off as a winger. Then I think at that point they can they can make the move. But I agree with you. I think they got to give him every opportunity to at least try and be an everyday NHL center. Tony, that was great analysis. Speaking of some analysis and news, just quickly here, want to check in with your thoughts on the, the young defenseman through the first two games. Wyatt Kaiser has had a little bit of a rough go at it. I think Kevin Korczynski has had some of his 19-year-old rookie moments as well. But want to get your thoughts on, on the three young D that we've seen so far to start this year and, and how you think they performed through two games. You know what, actually, Ron? For what has been a win, a loss, a very small sample size of Blackhawks hockey so far, I'm more impressed than I thought I would be with the defense overall, but also uh, the young rookies here, Ron. Um, I've said this a couple of times on the show. If I don't notice a defenseman, they're doing their job. Um, Because normally you notice a defenseman when they get, you know, uh, into a bit of trouble, blow an assignment, uh, miss something, and it results in the other team scoring. These have not been, uh, high scoring games against two pretty good offenses. Uh, yes, there's been a couple of these uh, miscues uh, covered up mainly by Peter Mrazek. Um, I think there was just a, a couple more high danger chances on some missed assignments in game one. But overall, I think you saw Korchinski out there in a couple of spots where you wouldn't expect to have seen him over the past two days. And he handled them pretty well. Wyatt Kaiser, I know that uh, you said that he's been in some trouble, but overall, he's another guy that I really haven't noticed too much, like too, too much out there looking in over his head. Um, Overall, though, I mean, man, you've given up five goals. I think one of them has been on the uh, on the empty net, so. We bring that down four and two games. I'd say that's pretty good for your defense here right now, Ron. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. I'm I'm going to hold back a few of my thoughts because I I I have something a little spicy to to round out the show on relation to this. So I wanted to get your thoughts on the young defenseman, but I agree. I think hey, overall, wait. I want it to be as spicy as what we just delivered. It it wasn't that spicy. It's more me okay. getting spicy about a take. I think that's All right. more so. we're going to ruffle some feathers. Let me put it that way. Yes, let's do uh, that. With my thoughts on the young defenseman. So I'm going to hold back on that a little bit, but I agree with you, Tone. I think overall, yes, they've had their, their growing pains and we knew that coming into the season, but overall they haven't looked like in a, a total fish out of water through two games so far. That's they a great look, way to put it. They don't, yeah, they don't look egregiously overwhelmed. Sure. They're overwhelmed. They're young defensemen, but they don't look egregiously overwhelmed. They don't look like fish out of water. So that, that's my early thoughts here. And then a piece of news tone before we uh, start to look at the schedule coming up and, and, and talk about ruffling some feathers. Um, but our Jersey sales, number one in the NHL since he was drafted. Are you surprised? Absolutely not. Everyone out there is hard for Bedard at this point. I mean, you see Bedard jerseys when you're out now and the Hawks aren't even playing. It, it, it's It's beautiful to see. Um, and you know, this isn't just Chicago that's, that's bringing in these sales. I'm sure it's a majority of it, but, uh, everybody wants to get in on the party that is Connor Bedard. And, uh, I'm not surprised at all. Just the, the attention that he's gotten since entering the league has been elite. He's going to be an elite level player. And, uh, no, I'm not surprised by this one bit. And the Blackhawks jersey is arguably the best in sports. So uh, everybody wants to have uh, number 98 in a good-looking sweater because, like you said, Tom, everybody's hard for Bedard, um, and I think, honestly, rightfully so. Tone, before we get to some of the wrap-up thoughts, let's get to 
more road tripping because we are continuing on the road trip that we discussed here on Monday as a crew. Um, as we mentioned Saturday night, they are in Montreal at the Bell Center. That will be hockey night in Canada, as we noted before. Uh, then they are in the sixth. They are at Toronto on Monday night. So we will be live uh, just before that game, most likely here at the Four Feathers podcast. Thursday night, they're in Mile High at Colorado. And then they are finally home for Saturday, 10-21 against the Vegas Golden Knights. Tony, we mentioned it. You and I had predictions. You said three and two. I said two and three slash two, two and one. How are you feeling about our predictions so far? You think we're we're pretty on point with that so far? I think we're pretty on point. Don't ask me to correct it because there's a lot of math and numbers that are in there that you just mentioned. Um, so I think we're pretty on point. I'm, I'm sticking with my original prediction. It's getting late, can't math. I respect that and completely agree. Um, I, I think we're doing all right on that front as well. Tony, it's time to ruffle some feathers. Uh, we'll let you go ahead and take it away here, sir. Who, whose feathers are we going to ruffle? The ruffling of the feathers is a tradition uh, that we do here on Four Feathers Podcast, established just this year. Um, and uh, we're going to ruffle some feathers right now, Ron. And the feathers that I want to ruffle are those that say that no one cares about the Chicago Blackhawks. That crowd right now is in absolute shambles. There's been some takes and some tweets that were set online at certain points by certain people that said nobody cares about hockey and nobody cares about the Chicago Blackhawks. That, in fact, is false. The last two games the Chicago Blackhawks have played in have broke regular season records for not only ESPN but also TNT on consecutive nights. Upwards of a million people tuned in to watch uh, the Connor Bedard show on Tuesday night. I think we wound up somewhere around 750, 800, somewhere around there on the TNT broadcast just last night on Wednesday. There is a lot of people who care about watching Blackhawks hockey and if you ever have a take that says nobody cares about this, the proof right now is in the numbers. Outside of winter classics, Ron, regular season games. First, this is the start of his career. Imagine when these games start to matter more. The effect that Connor Bedard and inherently now the Chicago Blackhawks have on hockey as a whole is the largest in the league. You have a potential Michael Jordan-type player playing on this franchise. In fact, ESPN ran a promo before this game started that included the greatest athletes in their sports, like Michael Jordan. Connor Bedard has potential to be a star. If he if he just turns into a star, that's one thing. But the generational talent level type player that he can be could have lasting effects on this sport as we know it. And tons of people are tuned in to just watch him start that journey. So for anybody who thinks nobody cares about the Blackhawks, a lot of fucking people care about the Blackhawks, Ryan. That's ruffling some feathers. That is ruffling some feathers. Incredibly well put, sir. Uh, I'm going to follow that up for you here in, in return. Uh, to the defenseman talk more specifically, but I think this, this goes for in general. I've seen some takes and some thoughts and some articles and things like that throughout the Blackhawks social media space. We'll say uh, from fellow fans, you know, just telling people to pump the brakes with certain players, mostly the defensemen, right? They're oh. You think Wyatt Kaiser is going to be this star? Well, pump the brakes. And, oh, you think Korczynski will pump the brakes. I'm going to ruffle some feathers, Tone, by telling people to just shut the fuck up and let fans be excited knowing that these guys aren't going to be elite right away. I think there's a lot of fans out there that are smarter than the quote-unquote smart fans think they are, if that makes any kind of sense. Because oh, Absolutely. I think everybody knew coming into the season, the excitement of this Blackhawks team is Connor Bedard, 
And it's the growth that these young players are going to go through. Just because they are growing does not mean they are fully grown yet into full, just top-notch NHL players. I think Kevin Korczynski someday is going to be an incredible defenseman, but I know he's not going to be that this year at 19 years old. I think Wyatt Kaiser can be a very, very good NHL defenseman for a long time, but I know he's not going to necessarily be that this year. And I think the same goes for guys like Alex Vlasic and Isaac Phillips, and the names go on. But just shut the hell up and stop being the old man that yells at the fucking cloud and tells the kids to get off your lawn when somebody gets excited about seeing that glimpse of, of hope and, and, and promise in these players. Yes, they're going to have growing pains. We sat here at Four Feathers and said it all season leading into the season. We know this is going to be a season of growing pains, but guess what? Growing pains are a fuck ton more fun than watching a shitbag product that we saw from 2018 to 2020 when this team, it was Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, and them being a middling, piss-poor franchise that couldn't do anything. So for those out there, I respect your takes because I agree with them. But at the same time, let fans have fun watching the promise in these players. And if you're going to be the old man that's going to yell at the fucking clouds, why don't you go fucking turn on an old 1980s Blackhawks game and tell me if you're still having fun. That's me tone ruffling some feathers today because they ruffled my feathers. And in return, I'm ruffling some of their feathers. Um, oh, boy. Ron Luce. We, I like when we, you ruffle some feathers. You got a little hey, angry there. I did get a little angry there. We 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 had to get into that one a little bit. Tony, uh, the other one, I, originally I was going to say, but when we got to the defenseman talk, it, it prompted my brain. Uh, the other one was going to be the NHL better watch out because Connor Bedard is going to be a, con- a cold-blooded winner. Uh, and that was in relation to what you brought up about the pictures, smiling for his first point in a win and then straight-faced in his first goal in a loss. Um you, you got to love the competitive edge on a guy like that. Tony, I know you and I were having some uh, struggles when we were planning out our rundown for tonight's show. I, I uh, saw the I saw the preview that you got here, and I, let yes. me say, this is the perfect one for us it to is. talk about. So for those that are new to the show this year, it's a new segment that we have instituted. Ruffles Some Feathers made appearance or two last year, but that is solidified this year, like Tony said as well. But this year, it's the salt shaker. And for those that don't know what we're referencing, go check out the Four Feathers, um, either Zeeth page or Instagram pages. Um, Did you just call four. it Zeeth Zeth page? Zeeth. I don't know what that – the X, whatever the hell Black it's Hawks called. X. Yeah. That thing. The uh, X machine. Go check out at Four Feathers Pod on the socials, uh, and you will see it is a picture of Connor Bedard with the, uh, the little salt shaker pointing down, and that's going to be used to quote tweet – or quote post, sorry, and – just uh, respond in general to salty takes that we see on the uh, the old interwebs throughout the course of the year. In this case, tone it happened on the ice, and the salt shaking was um, we're gonna we're gonna shake some salt on the head of one rat, Brad Marchant, uh, because he's salty tone about a new superstar in the NHL. I don't know if anybody else saw it in the game, but uh, he gave a little bit of a kind of a nudge and shove to Connor Bedard as they were going to the benches. And what did Connor Bedard do? He just went right with it. He grabbed Marshan's stick, wouldn't let go, just took the bump fine, and then just sat there like an asshole and said, if you're going to be an asshole, I'm going to do it right back. Uh, big respect to the 18-year-old. And uh, I think rather than just shaking a little bit of salt on Brad Marchand's head. I hope he takes the top off and just dumps the whole fucking thing on him. Why not? I mean, that was the saltiest moment I think we saw over the past couple of days here. Uh, you know, I expect nothing worse out of Brad Marchand. And he's just always been a salty guy. Uh, it's, it's just his, that's just his brand. I think he, you know, runs around the streets of Boston, just soaking up salt, like the little rat bastard that he is. So, you know, that it, it, man, credit to Connor Bedard, like you said, for taking it. I wanted to see, I don't know, Jared Tenori get out there on the ice and maybe rough him up a little bit after that. It would have been, it would have been pleasant. I think the response from the Blackhawks there was a little bit lacking. Uh, then again, I don't know if anybody really wanted to, you know, exchange bodily fluids with Brad Marchand because you don't know what that's all about. But hey, here we are. We've established probably one of the, the saltiest individuals on the planet that Connor Bedard's getting all this love. Um, he's obviously probably salty about the Jersey sales numbers that we just brought up. 
probably obviously just a little bit salty about the promos that run on ESPN comparing Connor Bedard to Michael Jordan and the likes of the greatest athletes of all time before he's even, uh, you know, played an NHL game. It's probably a little salty that, uh, you know, he is, is not the cream of the crop NHL's little darling boy. So who knows? I don't know why Brad Marchand was so salty there. Trying to welcome the kid into the league. Lay a hit on him. Don't try and, you know, grab him while he's going to the bench. And, you know, it, it was just a lame play. I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. I don't know how you felt about it when you saw it live. But it was like, just get your hands off our baby boy here for a second. You know, like, just leave him alone. He didn't do anything to you. Why you got to be an ass just to be an ass? It just it, it didn't make sense. I don't like Brad Marchand at all. And I think we've gathered that from from this. Yeah, and in front of the program here, and one of my good buddies, he says, hello, Ronald, and also hello to you too, Tony. Uh, but he says, saw it during the game, mad respect to Brad, or to Bedard, and he says, Brad Marchand is just dirty. Yeah, I agree. I, I think you put it perfectly, Tony. You know, I just – that's that's the type of shit Brad Marchand does, right? That's just the type of player he is. That's where he's earned that reputation as a bit of a dirty player. Uh, Skokes says would have jumped in. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know what? I'll tell you, but I will say, I think the reason he didn't want to go lay a hit on Connor Bedard is because he's seen the highlights of Connor Bedard throwing the body around. Connor Bedard's not afraid to, to play with contact. I think that's one thing a lot of people have taken a big, uh, maybe misunderstanding to, not so much within the Blackhawks realm, but kind of the casual hockey fan. They're like, oh, Black, you know, Bedard's what, 5'10, 5'11, maybe on a good day. He's kind of tiny. Yeah, he's got tree trunks for legs, and he's stronger and, and faster and younger than everybody else out there. And on top of that tone, if you look back to the CHL All-Star Prospects game, he was throwing the body around and hitting guys that were much bigger than him. So Connor Bedard is not afraid of anybody. And I think his response to Marchand's dirtiness was exactly that. He just he just kind of went with it and went limp. And then just he sat there and just grabbed Marchand's stick and waited. And Marchand had to like rip it out of his body just to get onto the bench. Like he, he was like, fine, if you're going to play dirty games, I'm going to play them right back and tell you to go fuck yourself when I go pot a goal and, and make you cry about it. So um, the salt shaker goes to Brad Marchant, but uh, Connor got to, got to, to do actual the salt shaking uh, this time. It wasn't anybody else having to jump in and do it for him. Tony. Cool and tough, Ron. Cool and tough. Very cool and tough and, and things we love to see from uh, from the Blackhawks uh, golden boy, as you noted earlier. Tony, a little bit of what's on tap next for everybody. As we noted, the Blackhawks are in action this Saturday. No show from us after that, but uh, be sure to follow along with us on the socials. Be sure to uh, watch along and enjoy that game. It's a good old six o'clock start because they're on the east coast of Montreal um, and it's Saturday night hockey. What is better than Saturday night hockey at this time of the year? Uh, my answer is nothing. Tony, and then before their other Canadian matchup, before returning to the States, the fans and fellow followers of the Four Feathers podcast uh, will hear from us again on Monday, probably most likely a little bit of a happy hour to get the week started uh, and kind of a nice little primer for that Maple Leafs game on Monday night. I believe that is also a six o'clock start uh, in the local time zone. Uh, And then as we noted, we'll probably be back with another little primer before the Thursday game against the Avs and, and, and also in the same breath, get to talk about the home opener coming up a week from Saturday. Tony, always a pleasure, sir. This was a great show. Two Blackhawks games in the books, 80 more to go, and it all starts up again on Saturday against the Montreal Canadiens. My friend, always a pleasure. Thank you to everybody for listening. Again, at Four Feathers Pod on the socials, at ONTAP Sportsnet is where you can catch us. At Tony on Tap, I am at Loose on Tap. Be sure to follow our other co-host, at Nani Johnny, as well. Uh, he's off having a great time over down in Tennessee. Hopefully he gets to watch this. And here's the love shout-out for him. We miss him dearly, and we'll be excited to talk to him on Monday. Um, but, Tony, more Blackhawks hockey on the horizon. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube. Hit the bell button. You know the drill. And you'll always know when we go live. We appreciate everybody jumping in the comments, as always. Appreciate everybody that watched along live. Those on the X app, we love you dearly. We just can't see if you're commenting along with us, but we still appreciate value you just as much in tone. What do you say, my friend? We get out of here? Yeah, we'll get out of here. Get out of here. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks.